Hey, this is David Merrill, pastor of the Well Church. I would like to first thank you for downloading the app and listening to what God is doing through the life and ministry of the Well Church. I would also ask that before you listen to this message, that you would pray that God not only continues to transform lives through this ministry, but also that as you hear the word of God proclaimed, pray that the Holy Spirit will convict you in areas that your life has not been given over to God, empower you to repent and turn, but also embolden you to be doers of the word and not simply hearers, in order that you become a light in your homes, in your schools, in your workplaces, and even in your local church body. Let us be radically in love with Jesus and radically in love with his people. Once again, I just thank you for listening, and may God bless you abundantly. This morning, we're going to talk about a whole new aspect of our position, which is you stand in life. Okay? And actually, Jesus uses a different word. Or Paul uses a different word. He, he says that you actually stand in slavery. Okay? That's your new position, slavery. All right? So we don't like that. That doesn't sound pleasant. All right? It's like you're justified, you're saint, you're forgiven, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, you are pardoned, you have, are at peace with God, and you're a slave. What? You're like, what? A slave? Like a slave? Like, we don't like that. Even Christians, we write songs like, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Beautiful. Doctrinally correct. Awesome. But then it should go on to say something different. But what does it say? I am a child of God. Oh, that's pretty. That makes me feel good inside. What it should say, theologically, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a slave to God. Because that's our position now. But what we're going to see is that Paul says that slavery to God is actually life. It's actually freedom. And so that's what he talks about in Romans chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, we're just going to cover the first part of it. We're not going to go all through. And um, so you can actually read the whole chapter if you want. It really, not repetitive, but it's really hitting on the same aspect. So Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue on in sin so that grace may, may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all, who, all, of, all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the, the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in his likeness and in his death, certainly we shall also become like, uh, be, in, be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that, the, that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we no longer be, sla be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we, belong, uh, we believe that we shall live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. And the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting your members of, the, of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of the right, righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under the grace. Now, one of the biggest struggles or um, fears of a pastor 
is that if I get up here and I preach just the grace of Christ, like if I just tell you guys you're forgiven, you're sanctified, you're justified, and we're, we're in the grace of Christ, there's a fear that you are going to run out of this room and you're going to all go smoke and, and shoot up heroin. Okay? Like, I can't preach the grace of Christ because then you will walk out of this room and go on and continue so that sin may abound. And that way, you know, I can walk in that old way of life, walk in that sin, and the grace will cover that sin. And that's the, the, the fear of many pastors. And so I'm not going to preach that you are saved. Yeah, I'll say you're saved by grace. Okay, you're saved by grace. But I want to make sure that you're not running out and doing these wicked things. So I've got to cover you with this umbrella of, well, no, that's wrong. And don't go out and get wasted. Don't, go, don't have sex because, you know, Satan lives in sex. And so save it for the one you love. And so don't do these things. They're no-nos. They're bad. Okay? And I've got to keep you in this bubble of this umbrella of do nots, do's, these, the law. Because if I let you free, if I just preach the grace of Christ, then, you know, you're saved by grace, but then you're on a rocky foundation, so don't sin too much because you'll fall off. Because I don't want you all to be a bunch of wicked, heathen sinners, so I'm just going to preach grace, but keep you under the umbrella. And see, what Paul understood, what Paul understood is that the grace of Christ does not create a bunch of wicked sinners. The grace of Christ transforms a bunch of wicked sinners. That's what Paul understood. And guys, it drives me nuts that in the church, somehow we have miscued that and we have gotten to this place where we've got to, because what preaching these laws do is they don't create a bunch of, uh, of good righteous people. What they create is a bunch of Christians who are terrified, walking in their brokenness. And many of y'all are going through some real crap right now, some marriage issues. Some, some of y'all just cussed out your spouse this morning. Some of y'all are going through some struggles, but then you got to come into the church and you got to put, put on this facade of togetherness. Why? Because if you show yourself sin, if you show your brokenness, then you'll be kicked out of the social club. Because we all got it together in here. Look, y'all, I've talked to many of you. Every one of you that I've talked to, there's most of you, you're, you're pretty messed up, okay? Uh, like, I want to let you around my baby, but alone, I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, but we have this idea of this is what Christianity is about, and Paul says, no, absolutely not. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. So he begins this, this section with those, but this is where we got to draw the line because this is what Paul says. Those who continue, the, the question is, is those who continue on in their sin so that grace may abound. The word continue, uh, it's epipemio. Um, it basically translates, it's this permanent residence. It's doing something to where this is, it's a, a habitual persistence. It's the same word when the Pharisees were trying to go after Jesus and they're trying to catch him in this, this trap between the, the Mosaic law. And they use that word consistent or continue. It's that cons continuing persistence. So what Paul is saying, he's not talking about the believer who is still wrestling in this battle with the flesh. Okay, every believer is still in this battle with the flesh where we, we are striving for the, the righteousness of God, but the flesh is still tempted by the world. And so we're going to fall into sin. That's not what Paul's talking about, because even John says, if you are in the light and you do sin, 
then he is faithful and just if you confess your sins to forgive you. So that's, that's not what we're talking about. What Paul is saying is that those who, is it possible for those who have been transformed by the, the blood of Jesus Christ to persistently, habitually walk in their sin as if they are still outside of Christ? So out here, I was walking in, in adultery. I was walking in, in drunkenness. I was walking in all of these sins that I struggle with. And then I entered into Christ, and I continue to walk in the things that I once died to. I continue to walk in the things that Christ saved me from. Is that person, can that be, is that person still covered in the grace of Christ? And Paul answers this question very specifically, may it never be. Meganoito. The phrase, meganoito, may it never be, it literally, listen to this, it literally translates to this, may it never be. It's crazy, huh? It's weird. May it never be. This doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. If, see, if you, you cannot be a believer and continue to walk in the established pattern of your sin and then turn to Jesus so that grace may abound, this doesn't happen. And Paul explains why it doesn't happen. He says, how shall we who died still live in sin? Okay, this is a very, very simple, I think a, my two-year-old could understand this, okay? Very simple argument. Because all I got to do is leave this place and run over a squirrel, not a kid, a squirrel, and, and then take out my two-year-old and show her the dead squirrel and say, look, baby, it's dead. Poke it with a stick. It's not going to move, okay? Now, here's the thing. How can that dead squirrel, it's so simple, you guys. I, I don't even fucking need to, I feel like I need to explain this, but I'm going to do it. How can that dead squirrel get up and run? It can't. Now, if that dead squirrel gets up and run, what happens? It's a zombie. No, it was never dead, okay? Like, so they have two options. Either it's dead and it sits there and it rots, or it gets up and runs. If it gets up and runs, it was never dead. And that's what Paul's argument here. It died, and so if it still lives, it never died. And so if it's dead, it is dead. Notice the wording here. Paul, Paul is, this is a past tense. This happened. It's not continuing to happen. It's done. Dead. And Paul builds on this argument. He drives this home by saying, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our old body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves of sin, for we have died, uh, died, or for he who has died is freed from sin. Paul says our old life through baptisms. A baptism is that outward expression, you know, um, we baptize in the creek here. Um, that's why we haven't had baptized, baptized in a while. Because last time I baptized, baptized somebody in the creek in January, um, I got sick, okay? And so I'm not going to do that. Um, if you want to be baptized, we got a hose. I could, we go Methodist on you and I'll sprinkle you. Uh, but, but here, so baptism is you go under is representing what's taking place it's not this outward action that's all important that's just reflecting of you going under the water dying with christ rising up from the water rising with christ you are united you are fused to, with christ's death and with his resurrection and paul says your old self now the word old in the greek doesn't talk about chronological age it's actually it's a word that's describing this worthless this um useless this thing that's not even fit for the dumpster it's just fit for the dumpster 
This old, worthless, fit-for-the-dumpster life. So Paul's saying, that was your old self, was just this worthless, fit-for-the-dumpster life. Now, hear this. This is where I have a, a struggle with a lot of people um, who make this statement because they say things like, well, David, I just, when we're talking about going out and talking to people about what God has done in your life, well, I just can't because my testimony is not that awesome. Like, it's not that good. Like, I wasn't a drug dealer. I wasn't smoking up, you know, a crack. I wasn't doing any of that. I wasn't sleeping around. I was a pretty decent person. I had sin in my life, but maybe I should go out and sleep around and do some heroin first before, and then let God redeem me so I have a better testimony. And guys, it just doesn't make sense because this is what Paul's saying. Look, I brought a bag, okay? If y'all know me, y'all know, like, I like my illustrations. Okay, in this bag, I have some goodies. I have a chicken bone. Okay, I have a paper towel that actually has dirty um, pig uh, blood on it. Don't ask me why. Um, (laughs) And then I have a dirty diaper. Okay, this is used. Okay, it's dirty. Now here's what Paul says. Your life is, is like the worthless, useless trash meant for the dumpster. Okay, this, in, apart from Christ, you're, all you could do is walk in sin. All you can do is you're bent on that. That's what you do. You're rebellion against God. And so this is what Paul says. But then he says, okay, what I also brought, I brought my wife's engagement ring. Okay, I brought my wife's engagement ring. Now, this thing is worth a lot of money. Not because I bought it. I, it would have been zirconium if I bought it. Um, but this was... This was my grandmother's ring. And so we had it appraised. It was like $7,000, which is like a lot for me. Okay. Uh, I, was like, I was looking at the $300 range. Um, and so that was like 10, 10 weeks uh, or 10, 10-month paycheck. Okay. Um, <laughs> should have been a drug dealer. Um, <laughs> sorry. Then Jesus would transform me. Uh, but... This is not only expensive, it's priceless. It's priceless because it not only sat on my grandmother's hand for over 60 years, but it now sits on my wife's hand as a symbol of my love and our covenant with each other. And so what the Bible says, Peter says that you actually in Christ become a precious stone, just as Jesus is the precious stone. And so you go from this old, raggedy, diaper, chicken bone, this, this trash, to this precious stone. So how ridiculous is it to go over here and say, yeah, but I'm just the t- tissue. I'm not the diaper. I didn't smell as bad. I, I didn't have the poo in me like the, like, the t- like the diaper does. I'm just a tissue. Like, who cares, y'all? You became a precious. You went from worthless to precious, worthless to priceless. You are priceless, a stone in the, in the gospel and the grace of Jesus Christ. You're no longer a diaper anymore. That's not you. This is you. It doesn't, I figure I could throw it at you because you're not a father yet and it would scare you. All fathers are like, it's okay. I thought about bringing something that, that Octavia dropped yesterday, y'all. That would have cleared the room. It almost cleared the restaurant. It was bad. Um, but guys, we are oppressed. We are transformed. And so this argument that my testimony isn't good enough, y'all, we have been absolutely wrecked and transformed. And so Paul is um, he's showing that the old self is sin. But notice this. Okay, this is very, very important. Paul is not giving a command here. 
Notice it's not in the language of command. He's not saying, y'all need to die to yourself. Y'all need to get rid of your old life. He's not even rebuking them. He's, like, he's not like saying, hey, y'all haven't done it yet. You're procrastinating. Get rid of the old self. No, this is not what Paul's saying. This is not a command. It's a statement of fact. Paul is saying this has taken place. It's the same in Galatians when those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. It's a statement. It's happened. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. It's not a command that you need to do it. It's happened. And so the question is, is how are we no longer a slave to the sin? How has this happened? He goes on. He says, now, if you died with Christ, we believe that, uh, that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. There are two things that we've got to look at here. First of all, Christ's death. When Christ died on the cross, he took the penalty of sin. Okay? Now, we know that. As Christians, we believe that. We, we, we declare that all day. You want to be forgiven? Yes. Except Jesus. Okay. He died for the penalty of sin. Okay? You're not guilty. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. You're not guilty in Jesus Christ. We understand that the part that we miss is not his death, but his resurrection. His resurrection. You see, what is the power of sin? Death. When Adam and Eve sinned, he says, you know, you will die. The serpent's like, you won't surely die. You're going to be like God. But what happens? They sin, they die. Not spiritually, not just spiritually, but also physically. Death is the power of sin. And so when Jesus dies on the cross, he takes the penalty of sin, which means when you have died, laid your body with Jesus, meaning that in the Old Testament, like I said, there's a, a, a sheep, a lamb, perfect lamb, and they would bring it to the high priest, and the high priest would take it, you know, and, and they would lay your body on the lamb as, a, as the father of your household. And that symbolized you laying your sins upon that lamb, and that when that lamb was killed, that your sins died with that lamb. You laid your body on the perfect lamb lamb. Now, Jesus, when he died, we, it says you died with him. You laid your body with Jesus, which means he paid the penalty of your sins. But that's not the good part. That's a great part. But the good part is that when he walked out of that grave, he took sin's power. Listen to me. Sin no longer has power over your life. Now, this is where I've lost some of y'all. Some of you are like, huh? Why? Because there's a disconnect. Yeah, you believe Jesus, Paul, I mean, Paul, that Jesus died for my sins, died for the power, the authority, all that. He, you believe it. But then you look at your life, and you got, you're still wrestling with sin. You're still wrestling with sin. You're still struggling with stuff. Some of y'all had said something this morning that you're like, man, I wish I could take back. You looked at something last night on the computer screen that you wish, man, why am I still struggling with it? You're still going through some stuff. Why is that? I, there's a disconnect. If I'm a saint, if I've been sanctified, if I stand on the power, I stand on the grace of Jesus Christ and the power of sin is gone and my old self is dead, why is there a disconnect between what Jesus says about me versus what I see in my life? Well, Paul addresses this. He says this, so even consider yourself to be dead to sin. So even, or even so, consider yourself dead to be sin but alive in Jesus Christ. Paul begins with this transitional phrase, even so. Okay? There's words in the Bible that we've got to look back to. Okay? When it says, at this time, at what time? Okay? Ask the question. Look back. Therefore. The question is, what is therefore, therefore? Okay? What does it point back to? Here's another one, transitional phrase, even so. 
And what Paul is saying is that what I just said is the foundation of what I'm about to say. You're going to understand what I'm about to say. You've got to know what I just said. And it's not I know because we just read it. It's I know because I believe it. In order for you to understand what I'm about to say, Paul says you've got to believe what I just said. You've got to believe that sin has lost its authority. Sin has lost its power. Sin has lost its strength. It's lost its grip. You're no longer under the tyranny of sin as we just sung about. It is gone that you are a new creation. You've got to not only know that, but you've got to believe that. And, and see, then we look at our lives and see, guys, what, if we, we believe that, what we start to see is that, that sin no longer has a power and authority over lives but what we are experiencing in life is a shadow of once what, 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 of what was. It's a shadow of what was. It's not the power or authority of sin. Now, what it is is the Madagascar effect. Have you ever heard of the Madagascar effect? There's an old story. Um, it's a true story um, where this, this effect comes out of it. It was about a zebra and a hippo and a giraffe and a lion. And they were, uh, the lion's name was Alex. And they, and they were, they were in the zoo. Okay, true story. Um, they were in the zoo, and and they lived in the zoo. They grew up in the zoo. They were raised in the zoo, and all they knew was this enclosure, where the bars and and these animals. They're ridiculous. I mean, they don't know how to behave like a real lion or a real giraffe or zebra. They're just they're domesticated. They're tamed. They're in these cages. They're they're trapped. They're enslaved from their whole life up. And this stupid lion is walking on two legs, not four, and he's doing his little poses. And he's 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 Alex the lion. He's the king of the zoo. He was meant to be the king of the jungle, but he's the king of the zoo. And you got this hippo shaking her goodies hey you know you plumpy girl and you got this giraffe that is about to like dying every second over here on the floor needing the doctor to come look at him and it's this whole idea and the zebra is like man there's got to be better more than this the zebra is like man we got there's probably something else out here and so they long story short they get out of the zoo they end up in africa and here's the thing while they're in africa they've passed all the chains all the walls all the the enslavements all the enclosures all the zoo was behind them that's not their life they are walking in freedom it's africa he's got he's the king of the jungle and what happens he's free but alex is still walking on two legs He's free, and he still does his stupid little poses. Like, he's, like, still dancing around. He's, and the hippo's got her little bikini on. And it's like, he's free. They're free. But they're still tempted. They're still tempted by that old way that they lived. Until one moment where Alex starts to run on two legs, four legs, he starts realizing, hey, this is, this is exciting. I could actually run faster than the zebra. I could actually change. And then he starts looking at all the little lemurs, and everybody's cheering him on. But then he starts to see stakes. You know, everybody's a stake. And, and then he looks at his buddy, his, his, his zebra buddy, and then he becomes a stake. And before you know it, he's sitting there gnawing on the zebra's butt. Because he realizes this is who I am and not these standing on two legs. And here, guys, here's the thing. The truth is, is that sin and slavery have been broken. You're dead to that self, but your old self is dead. But when you're walking in freedom, every once in a while, you're going to be tempted by what used to enslave you. You're going to be tempted by what used to hold you down. But here is the truth. It doesn't have authority anymore. It doesn't have that power anymore. It's done. It's gone. You are free in Christ. Because there are so many Christians who speak power back into their sin. 
I, I know, David, but uh, you don't know my relationship. Like my wife, if you met my wife, you would understand why this is so hard. I can't get over it. I just, I hate her and I'm struggling with this sin. It's just too tough. I've tried every time. I know, I just can't get over it. It's just so powerful. I keep gossiping. I'm trying to gossip, but no one to gossip. And we're speaking power and authority back into our sin. That it's too hard, that it's too powerful, that it's too strong. Paul says, man, you're, you're dead to that. It's over. Paul says, man, when you're walking in sin, he says, because it is true that your old self is dead, because you know, because you believe that the old self is dead, he says this, consider it true. It's, it's, it has to do with the heart. If you believe that it's true, then consider it true. Walk in it true. If you are still tempted by sin, then declare your sin dead. If you're still walking and sin is tempting you, if you have a temptation to gossip, then say to the gossip, I know this is sound crazy and you're going to start freaking people out around you, but start saying, you are dead to me. You're dead to me. You're done. You have no authority over me. You have no power over me. That's not me anymore. I'm a new creation. I am not enslaved to you anymore. I don't give you that authority. If you're struggling with coveting, if you're struggling, see, here's the thing. Sin is still in our lives, not because it has power over you, but, and not because it has authority over you, but sin is still in our lives because we refuse to walk in freedom. We refuse to walk in the newness of life. David Needham says this. Listen to this quote. What could be more frustrating than being a Christian who thinks himself primarily as a self-centered sinner? Whose yet sole purpose in life is to produce God-centered holiness. David said, man, how miserable would that life be? A life where you just think of yourself as this, I'm just this wicked sinner, saved by grace. I'm a sinner. I'm still a sinner. And, but yet God calls me to be holy. And, but I'm a sinner. I'm just this self-centered and this, this battle. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is, man, we've died to that. The gospel is that's who we used to be, and now we are transformed from the inside out. That we actually can walk in freedom in the newness of life. And see, if you don't understand that, if you don't believe that you are set free, you will never be, you will never walk in the newness of life because you'll never be victorious. Why? Because in your depths, you don't believe it's possible. You don't. You don't believe it's possible to walk in newness of life. You don't believe it's possible for that sin to be destroyed because it has no power. You will never walk in that. But once you understand that you have victory in Christ because he's the victor, then you could do what Paul says next. And this is kind of where we're going to wrap it up a little bit. But therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting your members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But he says, present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. For you're not, you're not under the law, but under grace. So he says, do not let sin reign, reign in your mortal bodies. You see, sin has, sin has no longer authority over your soul, has no longer power over your soul. You are, you do not, it does not reign in your spirit, does not reign in your soul. The only power that sin has is over your mortal body. And it doesn't have power, but it, has to, it can tempt your mortal body. It cannot get to your soul. Before, you were driven, you were sinning because in your spirit, you were a slave to what you desired. You were a slave to the flesh. But now you've been set free from that, so it has no power other than of the flesh, the temptations of the flesh. And the only power that sin has, only power that sin has over your body is that which you choose to obey. That's what it says. It says, 
You choose to obey its lust. So it's a choice. It's a choice. Sin no longer controls you, but you can choose it. This is huge because everybody in this room has probably used the argument, I don't know what happened. It just happened. I just sinned. Like, I don't know what happened. Like one day, she, one, one moment she, her clothes were on, the next moment, whoa. Just happened. Accident. Oops. No. We chose it. We choose sin. Especially if you're a believer. Look, it has no authority over you, and you have to choose it. And it has no power over you. You have to choose it. But Paul says, rather than that, we need to present our bodies, not as members to the unrighteousness, but as members to God, as of righteousness. But he says something interesting. He says, for you are no longer under the law, but under grace. Now, this is huge, because we thought we were done with the law. Okay, we were like, well, that's five chapters of the law. We're moving on, grace. No, Paul brings it back in. Here's the thing. The law, God's commands are perfect, they're holy, they're righteous, they're good. But the law of God cannot, it does not have power over the penalty of sin nor the power of sin. All the law can do is rebuke, restrain, and condemn. That's what the law can do. It can rebuke you, it can restrain your flesh, and it can condemn you when you fall short. That's what the law does. But here's my fear. This is where every Christian in this room, and I believe every Christian in Haywood County needs to listen to this. We have reduced our Christian faith to putting ourselves under a law of restraining our flesh. So our Christian faith becomes, you are not under grace, walking in newness of life, our Christian faith has become, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not all the do not do's. And so we live this life where we start walking around focusing on our sins, like, is this sin? Like, if I drink one beer, is it a sin? Or if I drink four beers, is it a sin? If I drink three and a half, like, could I get a measurement out of it? And we start thinking, well, I, how, how close can I go before it's a sin? How, what can I do before it's a sin? And it reveals people it reveals a heart that is willfully placing ourselves back under the law where the law can restrain our flesh so that if we if we fall away from the law if we sin then we feel condemnation how many of us in this room have this never-ending struggle with trying to obey condemnation trying to obey condemnation where we just walk back and around this story of i feel like garbage because i fell into sin again i feel like garbage because i fell into sin again it's like i feel great because i'm not sinning right now I didn't sleep with her. Oh, now I'm back into sin. I feel like garbage. And it's just never-ending condemnation, feeling of justification, condemnation, feeling of justification. And it's not the gospel. Why are we putting so much of our vitality and energy into something that has died? It's dead. That is our old life. That, is, that, that it has no power over you, has no authority over you. It is not the gospel of what is not walking in the newness of life. Stop putting your energy into it. Paul says this in Romans chapter 13. Owe no one, to any, owe, owe no, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves has, has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, or any other commandment are summed up in these words. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Guys, we need to stop 
operating out of what we can and cannot do. We need to stop operating with the law restraining our flesh. And we need to start operating out of the newness of life. We need to start operating out of offering our members as to righteousness. We need to start operating out of the law of love. Here's what it looks like. If I am loving my wife as Christ loved the church, when I talk about love, here I got to say this because some of y'all are new, you don't know me, and, and, and it's probably the best for the best, but it, I'm not talking about love as our world says it. I'm talking about the biblical definition of love. You see, the Bible, we do not negate the Bible, we do not negate truth. You cannot love void of truth because God is love and God is the source of truth. You cannot do it. He is, so from Genesis to Revelation, we do not read the Bible, though, as law. Hear me. We're no longer reading the Bible as believers and saying, well, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can do this, I can't do that. It's not our law anymore. The Bible becomes a description of how and what it is to love God with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul. It becomes the definition of what it is to love our neighbor as ourselves. It becomes our new newness of life. We're no longer walking in the tree of good and evil as Adam and Eve fell into. We're walking in what we were intended to walk in, the tree of life. So if I'm loving my wife as Christ loved the church, I don't need a law to restrain my flesh to not abuse her. Because I'm seeking, I'm seeking the newness of love. I'm seeking love. I'm seeking, I'm walking in grace. If I am loving my neighbor as, as myself, I do not need a law to restrain my flesh to not lie to him. Because I am loving him as I would want to be loved. I don't want you to lie to me. I don't have to worry about a law restraining my flesh to not steal because I am pursuing to love you as Christ loves you. I'm pursuing to love you as much as I love myself. You see, when you're walking in the newness of life, the old self is dead. The old self is put to death. You're not putting your vitality in just not sinning. You see, many of us are not walking in the newness of life. We're stuck at the starting line just trying to not sin. We need to start walking in love. We need to start walking in our newness of life. Because that's where freedom is. That's where you're not worried about, can I do this? Can I do that? Guys, and you go down the list of whatever you're struggling with. Some of y'all have been struggling with anger of your wife, anger in your spouse, and your marriage. Your marriage has been broken and falling apart, and you're struggling with, I know I'm not supposed to be angry at her. I'm not supposed to hate her, but I just can't help it. I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to. here's Here's a hint. Stop focusing on not hating your wife and start focusing on loving her like Christ loved the church. Put all your energy and all your vitality in that and see what happens. Guys, we've got to get away from this putting ourselves under the law so the law will restrain our flesh and then make us feel condemned when we break it. And we need to start walking in what we're called to. See, we're not experiencing what Paul is saying about our lives. It's true. You're dead. It's happened. In Christ, that's happened. We're not experiencing it because we're not walking in it. We're choosing to stay at the starting line and sit under that law that's restraining us rather than walking in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Guys, my prayer, my prayer for everybody in this room is that the Holy Spirit just awakens our heart, that we start to really see love in this room and you start to see the sins in your life. Man, go down the list of your sins. And some of y'all struggle with stuff, you know, staring at a screen at stuff. Man, just think, whose daughter is that? Whose son is that? What kind of brokenness have they got to themselves to the point where they're on this screen doing what they're doing? And I'm going to sit there, man, I want to love them. 
I want to love them as much as I love myself. I want to love them like Christ loves them. Guys, you just start taking it down the list. Pick your sins. And allow love pursuing the newness of life. That's going to fall away because that's not you anymore. It's not doesn't power over you anymore. That's just going to fade because who you are now, you're walking in. What you've been called to, now you're walking in. And what you've been de- dead to for years, it's just going to fade away. It's going to fade away. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we become people who no longer operate out of the law, but out of grace. That we no longer operate about, around the life that we, we once had, the, once, the life that we once lived, but we operate out of who we are now, of what you called us to be. God, I pray for this church. Some of us in this room have never truly understood what the grace and the, what the cross has accomplished, what your resurrection has accomplished. And some of us in this room have been walking in brokenness for years and years and years. We've been walking in anger for years and pain for years. And God, I pray that all of that is broken. And that we could actually live to how we're called. We could actually live in the newness of life. We could stop putting all of our energy and all our vitality in our old dirty diaper. But back into you, back into your will, back into your your desire for our lives, our newness, our life, our identity. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.